This morning, we're going to look at John 10. You can turn there. We're going to continue our series walking through the I am statements of Jesus. We're going to look this morning at his statement when he said in John 10, I am the good shepherd. Let me start with asking a question. Which of these two words do you prefer? Leader or follower, which would you rather to be used of you? Do you want people to call you a leader or a follower? Well, if you're like most people, leader. That's, that's the cooler word of the two. Actually, if you're at A&M, the whole A&M system is designed to make you a leader. Actually, that's one of the six core values of our school. Every Aggie, a leader. I looked this week on the campus directory of buildings and departments and programs that start with the word leadership, and there were more than I could count. A&M has a leadership institute, a leadership center, a leadership program, a leadership hub, a freshman leadership council, a sophomore. They have leadership everywhere. It's like uncountable number of student organizations dedicated to leadership. But I could not find a fellowship program anywhere on campus. There was no master's degree in following because no one wants to be a follower. We want to be leaders because leader, it, it sounds significant. It sounds important. Even the word leader sounds sexier than follower. Follower sounds weak. It sounds insignificant. No one writes motivational slogans about following other people. We want to be leaders, but here's the fact. Here's truth. Both the Bible and modern psychology agree we are all followers. You may also be a leader, but you are certainly a follower. The reason is because you are hardwired to follow. It's in your genes. All human beings are born with the innate predisposition to follow. You see that in babies. They mimic from the earliest days of their lives. They look at their parents or they look at their caregiver and they mimic the, the speech and the motions and the behavior of those adults that they're looking up to. That, that propensity to follow, it stays with us. We go to elementary school and we follow the older kids walking the halls. And then we go to junior high and we follow whoever we think the cool kids are. And then we go to high school and we follow whoever the celebrities or the cultural icons of the moment are. And that continues as adults. All of us adults, we follow someone. We follow a boss or a mentor or a professor. And even the boss follows someone. He has to follow the directives of his board. He has to follow the the whims of his customers. Even the president of the United States follows people. He's got to follow the opinions of the electorate. We are all followers. And nowhere is that more clear than when the Bible calls us sheep, which it does often. Look at this chapter, chapter 10, verse 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So Jesus is the good shepherd. We are the sheep. People are sheep. We're called that throughout the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament. In fact, some of the most famous passages in the Old Testament are about the fact that we're sheep. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm a sheep. We're called sheep by God all the way through the Bible, and it is never a compliment. It's never a compliment to call someone a sheep, because what are you saying? Well, if you're a sheep, you're cute, 
and your wool is maybe worth some money, but you're also a big fuzzy marshmallow. You, you are defenseless. You have no fangs. You have no claws. You cannot defend yourself. Sheep are vulnerable to pretty much everything out there, not just like lions and bears, but dogs, even birds can kill a sheep because they want to eat that. I see that and I want to eat that. It looks good. <laughs> sheep are completely defenseless and incredibly foolish. They don't know when they're looking at danger. They will wander right off a cliff to their own demise. They'll, they will drink from a contaminated puddle. They will eat poisonous plants that will actually kill them. They, they don't know what to eat. And, and, and they'll follow each other into danger. Why did the sheep cross the road? Because another sheep did. And so I guess we have to do it. Sheep are incredibly foolish. They can't even find their way out of a bucket. <laughs> God wants you to understand you are a sheep. That's you. you. You are defenseless. You are helpless. You are lost on your own. You need a shepherd because you're a sheep. You can't take care of yourself. Now, that's hard for us to believe. We like to pretend that we are self-sufficient. We like to, to, to pretend that we've got our lives together, that we can take care of ourselves, that we can take care of our families. We get so good at pretending to other people that we're not sheep that we fool ourselves. We begin to actually believe that we're not sheep, that we can take care of ourselves, that we can watch out for ourselves, but we never fool God. He knows. He knows no matter how smart you are, how old you are, how rich you are, how powerful you are, you will never find your way out of a bucket without help. You are utterly helpless. That's why we must have a shepherd. We're sheep who, who need a shepherd. And so since we are all followers, here is the key to life, finding the right person to follow. That's how you make your life work. Since we are all sheep, since we are all followers, the key to life is finding the right person to follow. If you choose poorly, if you choose the wrong kind of leader to follow, it will end up leading to your ruin, to your destruction. I was reading a story in the news this week about a North Korean prisoner named Shin En Gwin. He was actually born in prison to parents who were political prisoners. So a man and a woman who were prisoners, they have this baby, but because they're prisoners, they're not allowed to raise the baby. They're sent away. And so the baby was raised by the guards. They were his de facto parents, and they were really harsh. He grew up on commands like anyone who steals food will be shot immediately. From a young age, just like a knee-high boy, he watched people getting beaten and executed in the camp. That was his whole life as a child. And so as he grew up, he found out that his mom was, was planning on trying to escape, and so he turned her in to the guards. And they made him watch as they executed her right in front of him. Well, he got to be 23 and he decided that was enough and he escaped. He actually made it out of Korea and he's now in America. He lives here with us, but he is haunted to this day by the memory of that betrayal. If you follow the wrong kind of leader, it will destroy you. The key to life is choosing the right kind of person to follow. And so the point of our passage this morning, very simply, the Sunday school answer of our passage is it is telling us you should follow Jesus. 
He is the kind of leader, the kind of shepherd who you should follow. What I want us to ask this morning is why? Why is Jesus worthy of us following him? In comparison to everyone else we might follow, why should it be him? Well, this passage is going to give us three reasons why we should follow Jesus, why he is worthy of having us follow him. Let's read the passage and then we'll discover those three reasons. Look at chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who is not the owner of the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me even as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. So Jesus is the shepherd. We are the sheep. Why should we follow this particular shepherd? Well, the passage gives us three reasons. The first reason is because this shepherd is selfless. Jesus is selfless. There are three kind, or four kinds of people in this passage. There's Jesus, and there's the sheep. That's us. And then there are thieves and hired hands. Thieves are actively selfish people. They're going to go take from the sheep to get what they want. Hired hands are passively selfish. They're not going to hurt the sheep. They're not going to take from the sheep. But if push comes to shove, if somebody's got to lose, a hired hand is going to make sure it's the sheep who lose. So thieves and hired hands, they're, they're ultimately selfish. They're out for what they can get. I think we have just described 90% of the leaders of our country. They are either thieves or hired hands. Some of them are thieves. They will break the rules. They will bend the laws. They will do whatever it takes to enrich themselves at our expense. But most are hired hands. They're not trying to hurt people or steal from people. They just don't care much about the people they lead. They care more about themselves. They're serving themselves. This is the boss who cares more about his bonus than about his employees. He's a hired hand in this story. This is the politician who cares more about his future electability than about the good of the people he governs. He's a hired hand in this story. This is the professor who cares more about his reputation than about the good of his students. He's a hired hand in this story. That's most leaders in this world. They're either thieves or hired hands. They care most about themselves. They're selfish. Jesus is the exact opposite. 
He is utterly selfless. He always seeks the good of his sheep, even at great personal expense and cost to himself. You see that right from the beginning, verse 3, when it says that Jesus leads them out. Now, when you think about the word shepherd, what picture comes to your mind? Well, Probably it's a picture from the Western world, from America or Europe, where shepherds drive their sheep. Think of the movie Pig. Remember that, where they trained dogs to drive the sheep? That's how Western shepherds do it. You, you drive the sheep where you want them to go. This is an Eastern story. In the Eastern world, the shepherds don't drive their sheep. They lead them, both in the ancient world and today. The shepherd always goes first. He leads the sheep to pasture, to good water. The reason he goes first is so if there is any danger, any risk, he faces it first before the sheep. He's serving them. He serves them. He sacrifices for them by leading them. So that's Jesus. He always goes in front of us. He leads us selflessly. In the Eastern world, though, when you think about shepherding, other things you should know is unlike in the Western world, it's not a job. It's a living. In, in the Eastern world, shepherding is not like a nine to five thing. You don't punch in and punch out. You live with your sheep 24-7. You're constantly with them. In the ancient world, shepherds spent an incredible amount of time with their sheep because they had to provide for every need that their sheep had. Think about the geography of Israel. If you've ever been there, there's not much water. The sheep, they cannot just go get water wherever they want. If there's water sitting on the ground, chances are good it's contaminated. It's been sitting there for a while. They cannot drink that. So in Israel, what shepherds had to do is dig deep wells into the ground, and they would actually, by hand, because there were no machines, no pumps, they would drop a bucket and raise water for every sheep. They would individually water every sheep. They would take the sheep to pasture, a different pasture every day. They had to rotate pasture so they didn't get overgrazed. The the shepherds were constantly providing for the needs of their sheep. And if a sheep was injured or hurt, the shepherd would actually put the sheep on its shoulders. You've probably seen pictures of that and you think it's all like soft and cuddly. It's not. A sheep is heavy and stinky. And yet the shepherds, if the sheep is hurt, would put it on his own back and carry the sheep. And it didn't end just in the day. The shepherd cared for the sheep all night long. That's what Jesus is getting at when he says, I am the door. What that's picturing is that in the ancient world, the sheep at night were put in a corral with with high walls around it to protect them from predators. And then there was a gate in the front and the shepherd would actually sleep in the gate. So that nothing could get by him and harm the sheep. Jesus' point is he is on duty 24-7, constantly caring for your every need. Constantly caring for every need that you have. That's how God described a good shepherd in the Old Testament. God described himself as our shepherd, constantly anticipating and caring for our every need, 24-7, 365 days a year. Here's how God described it in the book of Ezekiel. This is what a good shepherd does. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and I'll seek them out. I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land. There they will lie down on good grazing ground and feed in rich pasture. I will feed my flock and I will lead them to rest. Feed my flock and lead them to rest. That is what God is doing for you all the time. 
Jesus, your good shepherd, is constantly anticipating and meeting your every need. And so what that means is if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're following Jesus as your shepherd, then if there is something today that you do not have, that you think you need, you must not need it. At least not right now. Because Jesus knows what you truly need and he is always providing it. 24 7, 365, he is always on the job, selflessly providing for you. He cares for your every need. The good shepherd cares for the sheep. But it's important for us to see in this passage the shepherd just doesn't care for the sheep in some kind of like generic sense. We are not one big flock to Jesus. Now, he knows every individual sheep by name. That said that also in verse 3. The shepherd calls the sheep by name. That pictures in the ancient world. Shepherds spent so much time with their sheep that they actually had an individual name, a call for every individual sheep. The shepherd knew each sheep so well. He knew exactly what that sheep needed, what its history was, what it was going through, how to care for it. That's how Jesus sees you. In Jesus' eyes, you are not just another man or woman who happens to attend Grace Bible Church. He knows you by name. He knows everything about you, past, present, and future. It's what God told us in Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me, this is David speaking, and you know me, you know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar, you discern my going out and my lying down, you are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. Jesus knows everything that you're doing, both public and private. He knows everything that you say. He knows everything that you think. He knows all of your motives, both conscious and unconscious motives. In other words, Jesus knows you better than you know you. He knows everything about you, past, present, and future in perfect detail. But here's the amazing thing. Even though Jesus knows everything about you, even the thing you don't want anyone else to know, the shameful thing that you've done, even though he knows all of it, he still chooses to serve you. 24-7-365. He knows you intimately, calls you by name, and still he chooses to love and serve you selflessly. So the first reason that we should follow Jesus is because he is our selfless shepherd. In fact, I would argue that Jesus is the only consistently selfless leader you will find in this world. Even the best leaders are ultimately going to be selfish at some point in time, but not Jesus. That's the first reason why he's worthy of us following him, because he is selfless. Second reason that he's worthy of us following him is because he is a sacrificial shepherd. Look with me again at verse 11. We read this earlier. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That word for in in Greek, it means on behalf of or for the sake of. And what it pictures is that the flock of sheep are in danger. They're in mortal danger. Something is hunting the flock. And the good shepherd steps in front. He is willing to give his life for the sheep. He's going to face the danger for them, even if it means he dies, so that the sheep can live. Well, that's ultimately what's going on with the cross. When Jesus went to the cross, picture what he's actually doing when he goes to the cross is he's the good shepherd stepping in front of danger for you. 
So what was the danger? Well, your sin. Your sin demands punishment because we live in a righteous, holy universe created by a righteous, holy God. And so sin must be punished. God knew that punishment was coming, but he chose, Jesus chose to step in front of us and take the punishment that our sins deserved upon himself so that we don't have to be punished. That's the cross. The good shepherd stepping in front of the sheep to take the punishment that we deserve. It's the fulfillment of what God promised about Jesus back in Isaiah chapter 53. It says, but he, that is Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions, not his, ours. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Our sin, God the Father placed on Jesus, God the Son. Jesus willingly took our sin and our punishment in our place so that we could be forgiven. Now, that should force us to ask why. Because think about the hierarchy of value in this universe. Where does a shepherd rank and where do sheep rank? Shepherd, human, about here. Sheep, animal that you eat, somewhere down here. Okay, so there's a big gap. So why would a shepherd give his life for something worth much less than him? Well, that gap grows much bigger when you're talking about God versus us. Infinite gap between the value, the worthiness of God, the son, and humans like us who are foolish and do sinful things all the time. So why would God up here give his life, die for people down here? The answer is, is because of love. Because he loves us. Because he treasures us. Tells us in the book of Deuteronomy, the Lord has today declared you to be his people, a treasured possession. That's how God thinks of you. In the ancient world, a shepherd treasured his sheep because his sheep were all of his wealth. For a shepherd in the ancient world, all his career, his money, his retirement is locked up in the safety of his sheep. Jesus looks at us that way, even though we don't have anything to offer him. It's not like our wool is something Jesus needs. I don't give Jesus anything he needs, and yet Jesus chooses to treasure us, to love us so much that it would motivate him to sacrifice himself for us. It's always love that motivates sacrifice. You sacrifice yourself for that which you love. Parents, we we understand that. We make sacrifices all the time for our kids. My kids are six now. That's been six years of sacrifice of money and, and time and emotional sanity that I have sacrificed on the altar of my children, but I do it gladly because I love them. I treasure my kids, even when they disobey, even when they whine, even when they fight, even when they decide it's funny to run full speed headfirst into daddy's groin and see what he's going to do. I still love them. I treasure them. I'm willing to sacrifice self for them. That is how Jesus thinks about you. Yeah, you do a lot of bad things, so do I. Doesn't change the fact that Jesus treasures you. He did not go to the cross out of obligation. No one guilted Jesus to go up there. No one forced him to go up there. He did it because he loves you by name, individually. You are his treasure. He has said, out of all of this universe, everything this universe has, I value you most of all. So much so that I'm willing to die for you. 
so that you can live. So why follow Jesus? Well, because he is a shepherd who sacrifices himself for us. That's what we call the gospel, the G word that we throw around at church. Gospel in Greek, it actually just means good news. It's good news that there is a God in heaven who loves people so much that he was willing to become one of us and then die for us in our place, taking all the punishment we deserved and then rise from the dead so that we could be forgiven and have eternal life as a free gift. That's the good news of the cross. So Jesus, he's worthy of us following him because he is selfless and he is sacrificial. And third reason why he's a worthy shepherd, because he's sovereign. Jesus is our sovereign shepherd. Look at verse 12. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. A hired hand is a worthless shepherd. Because when danger comes, he cuts and run. God warned us about following worthless shepherds. In Zechariah 11, he said, Woe to the worthless shepherd who leaves the flock. Bad leaders cut and run when it gets dangerous. But Jesus is the opposite. He's the kind of shepherd who stays and fights when things get dangerous. You may not know this about shepherds, especially in the ancient world. They were not cuddly guys. They were actually fighters. They were warriors. Shepherds in the ancient world carried weapons. Look at this guy. He's got a long rod. That that was a typical weapon in the ancient day. These days, they carry rifles. Back then, they carried a long rod that they could beat a predator with, or often many of them carried a club with nails knocked into the end. Or in Israel, the most frequent thing they carried was a sling. That's what David carries, kind of like the rifle of the day. So you'd spin a rock so fast, it can kill anything, a bear, anything. They're incredibly accurate. That's what David carried with him. That's what the good shepherd carries. He's a soldier. He's not a weakling. When danger comes, he stays and fights. So Jesus is the kind of shepherd who fights your battles. But more than that, he's the kind of shepherd who always wins. He wins every fight he enters. Why? Look towards the end of the chapter, verse 28. Actually, let's pick it up in verse 27. He says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. No one can steal us, sheep, from Jesus' hand. Why? Because Jesus and the Father are one. That's a Trinity verse. It's saying that what God the Father is, Jesus the Son is. They are of one essence. They are equally divine. And so Jesus is an invincible shepherd because he is the almighty sovereign creator, king of kings and lord of lords. No one can defeat Jesus, and so you are safe with him. That's the second part of what Jesus means by calling himself the door. When he says, I am the door, he wants you to picture it like a safe, like you're in a vault, and he's the door of the vault. There's nothing getting by him. Nothing can harm you because Jesus is your gate, your door watching over you, and there ain't nothing that can get by Jesus because he is the son of God. So you are absolutely safe with him. Now, let's clarify, this is not a promise of physical protection. We all know Christians who've died in auto accidents 
or of cancer or of violence. Now, this is a promise of spiritual protection. This is about eternal life. Jesus is saying there is nothing that can take away the forgiveness and the eternal life that you've received from me. This is what theologians call eternal security. Once saved, always saved. If you have entered into the family of God, you can never be pulled out of it. Why? Because Jesus' hands are strong. There's nothing that can pull you away from Jesus. You cannot lose your salvation because nothing can pull you away from Jesus. And this is important including you. And this is where a lot of people get confused. It's a lot of people who get that nothing external to you can pull you out of Jesus's hands. Yeah, Satan, he, he can't take me from Jesus. Bad people, they can't pull me from Jesus. Sin and death can't pull me from Jesus. But what if I walk away? What if I decide I no longer believe in Jesus? What if I decide I no longer want to follow him and I start disobeying him? Then can't I lose my eternal life? Well, the answer is no. Why? Because you're a sheep. Think about shepherds and sheep. Does a sheep just get to decide one day, I'd like to no longer be part of this flock? No, it's a sheep. Shepherd's going to reach over and pull it back because the shepherd is infinitely stronger than the sheep. Sheep do not have the power or authority to leave the shepherd. What that means is that there is nothing that you can do or say or believe in the future that can take away your eternal life. Let me prove that to you. The most important passage in the Bible on eternal security, Romans chapter 8. Paul says, for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So his question is, what can pull us away from God? What can separate us from salvation that God has offered us in Jesus Christ? Is there any way we can lose our eternal life? And his conclusion is no. And look at the last thing he listed. No other created thing. Guess what? That's you. You are a created thing. What's the point? You cannot separate yourself from God's salvation. Let me bring that home to you. If 10 years from now, you decide you no longer believe in Jesus, and yet right now you have trusted in Jesus as your Savior, you don't lose your eternal life. Jesus is not going to let you go. Not ever. His hands are strong. They're stronger than you. It is not within the power or authority of a sheep to walk away from the shepherd. You are eternally secure. You are safe in Jesus' hands now and forever. So if if there is some point in your life when you have trusted, when you've chosen to believe that Jesus is the son of God who died for your sins and rose from the dead so you can have eternal life as a free gift, you have eternal life and you can never lose it. No matter what you say, do, think, or believe in the future, it's yours forever. Why? Because you have a sovereign shepherd. He does not care if you want to walk away. No, you're his forever. Okay, so what do we do with these truths? Well, I want to ask you three questions. I want you to think about three things. Number one, are you part of his flock? Kind of the most basic question of all. Out of all the sheep in the world, have you chosen to belong to Jesus' flock? 
John puts it this way at the end of his book. These things, the the book of John, have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. You receive eternal life the moment you choose to believe that Jesus, the Son of God, died for your sins and rose from the dead so you could have life as a gift. If there's something keeping you from believing that good news, I really want to talk to you. Please come talk to me or John Mark or Trey or somebody here. Come talk to us. Let us walk you through that. For those of us who have become part of Jesus' flock, we're, we're believers, we're following Jesus, the question for us is, are we following him today? How well are we following him? It, when you think about sheep and, and shepherds, it's great that we're part of the flock of Jesus. It's great that if we believe we are his sheep, but if you look at sheep, you realize, man, a lot of time, they're stubborn. Sheep are really stubborn. They try to wander away from the shepherd. They try to resist him when he pulls them back. But every time they wander, it leads to their harm. They end up falling in a ravine and hurting themselves or eating some plant that makes them sick or drinking some water that makes them ill. It always works to the sheep's bad when they wander away. Why? Because the shepherd always knows best. The sheep is being foolish to resist the shepherd. The problem is we are foolish a lot of the time. Jesus knows best. Let's just admit that. He's God. He created you. So he knows best what works for you. He knows you better than you know you. He knows best, but we resist him all the time, just like sheep resist shepherds. Why? Because we're foolish. Because we choose to to not trust him with our lives. So I I want you to think for a moment about your life in the last 30 days. So the last month, last four weeks. Where have you not followed Jesus? In the last 30 days, what is the area in your life where, where maybe it's something that you knew you should do and you chose not to do it. So something good. You, you should have spent time with the Lord and his word or served your roommates or given to the poor. You knew you should do the good thing and you said no. Or maybe it's an area where you chose to do something you knew was bad. You know Jesus doesn't want you to give in to anger or lust or drink too much or lie, whatever it is, and you said, no, I'm going to do that anyways. I want you to think about that area of rebellion in your life where you've chosen not to follow Jesus in the last 30 days and I want you to ask yourself, why? Why did you do it? Why did you resist the shepherd in that area? Why did you choose not to follow Jesus in that area of your life? I will give you the answer. Here it is, always true. Here's why we don't follow Jesus. It was put so well by Oswald Sanders about a century ago, the root of all sin is the suspicion that God is not good. That's why you did it. That's why I sin. Every time that I choose to sin, the reason is because I'm doubting that God is good. I choose not to believe that Jesus knows best. I choose not to believe that Jesus loves me, that he cares about me, that he's providing for me. Why did I blow up at my kids when they made me late to get somewhere? Well, ultimately because I'm not trusting Jesus. What am I not trusting Jesus with? Well, ultimately, my reputation. Parents, that's why we get angry at our kids, right? Because it makes us look bad when we show up somewhere late. And so we take it out on them in anger. Well, what are we doing? We're choosing not to trust Jesus with our reputation. Who cares what other people think about us? That's in Jesus's hands. But because I won't trust Jesus with my reputation, I get angry at my kids. Same reason men who are married give in to lust. Why do we do that? Well, because we're choosing not to believe 
that Jesus knows best and that Jesus has provided for everything we need in our lives. Oh, but wait a minute. No, no, life's not fair. I deserve more. I deserve an escape. I should have what I want. And so we give in to sin. All sin flows out of a suspicion that God is not good. And so what I want you to do today while this message is fresh in your mind, I want you to spend maybe five minutes and I want you to think about that area of sin that you identified a moment ago, someplace where you're not following God in the last 30 days. I want you to ask yourself, what was the lie that led me to give into this sin? What was I not trusting Jesus for? What did I believe about Jesus that is an error? Was I not trusting him? Did I not think he knew best? Did I not think he was fair? Did I not think he was good? Did I not think he loves me? Did I not think he cares about this area of sin? What's the lie? I want you to identify that and confess it to Jesus. Because if all you focus on is the bad behavior, you will never make progress. If you want to fight any area of sin in your life, you must get to the lie that's behind it. Because that's the real issue. You got to go through the sin to the lie and own that lie. Confess it to Jesus and say, please help me to trust you in this area of my life. This is why I'm giving into anger. This is why I'm drinking too much. This is why I'm lying because I'm not trusting you, Jesus, in this area. So please break me. Please do whatever it takes to soften me and help me to trust you for my reputation, for my future, for my marriage, for whatever it is. Okay, so I want you to take five minutes and I want you to identify the lie behind your sin and I want you to confess that to Jesus and ask him to grow you in trust so that you will follow him more closely in the next 30 days. So that's really the essence of life. As followers of Jesus, we want to grow to follow him closer and closer. So that's my second question for you. My third question, now that you're a follower of Jesus, are you shepherding others? There's this really interesting conversation between John, or between Jesus and Peter, who's also called Simon, at the end of the book of John. After Jesus has risen from the dead, Jesus said to Simon Peter a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, shepherd my sheep. Shepherd my sheep. Jesus had a job description for Peter. He has the same job description for you. This is really beautiful. What what this is telling us is that Jesus is not content to leave us as sheep. He knows that we're sheep, but he wants to grow us beyond. He wants to, to develop us into shepherds who care for other sheep. That's Jesus's goal for your life. He wants to help you become a shepherd like him who serves and sacrifices for other people. And so I want you to think about your own life. Are you shepherding other people? That's what Jesus wants of you, that you join him in his task of caring for the needs of other people. And to that end, I've asked Trey Corey, our campus pastor here at Southwood, to come up. I want him to give you some practical advice about how do you begin to shepherd and serve here at Southwood. I don't want this to remain theoretical. So of the ideas he gives you, please take one of these so that you can begin to shepherd the flock like Jesus. Thanks, Blake. Uh, We definitely agree and believe that you have the opportunity and you have the responsibility to help shepherd others here in our local body. I'll tell you guys, for me, one of my greatest passions in ministry and and even in life is helping people find their fit and find their place, which is a little bit why I'm kind of having obsessively, compulsively 
passionate relationship with the NFL draft. (laughs) Hundreds of college athletes finding their team, finding their fit. Now here at Grace, we don't necessarily have a combine and feats of agility and tests like that, but we want to help you find your gifts. We want to help you find your place and your fit as you find a place to serve here at Grace. Well, how do you do that? How do you actually kind of find your gifts? How do you find your place? One of the first ways to do that, kind of a great starting spot for you guys, is our membership class that's coming up next Sunday, April 24th. If you've been attending here for a while, if you're kind of still trying to find a way to get connected and involved here at Grace, but also find a place to serve and to help lead here at Grace, our membership class is a great beginning place for you along that way. Whether you've been here for a while or whether you just showed up or whether you're a student or whether you're a family or an adult that's been here, we would love for you to help get connected further here at Grace and find your spot to serve. Another great opportunity, I think maybe one of the best ones that's coming up here just real soon, is our Discover Your Ministry class. It's an elective uh, on Wednesday night, April 27th, and Wednesday night, May 4th. Just two different Wednesday nights to help you begin to discover exactly how has God wired you, how has he gifted you, and and where would you best uh, serve and and find a fit to use those gifts, whether that's here in our local church or even that's in, in the community, in the city at large, with some of the partnership organizations that we have, that we have built bridges with and relationships with. Uh, discover your membership class, discover your ministry, two great opportunities for you to kind of jump in and begin to kind of think through holistically, who are you? How has God wired you? And where could you serve best? Uh, One last opportunity uh, coming up this summer in June is our Backyard Bible Club. We'll talk a lot more about that in the coming weeks. But this very Sunday, uh, we'll have a table in the foyer. So if you'd love to know more about it or how you could use gifts of hospitality, playing with kids, teaching Bible, all of those different uh, sorts of gifts we can use in Backyard Bible Club this summer, one of the great outreaches that we do in our community. We'd love for you to be a part of that. You'll hear more about that in the coming Sundays. But we have a table in the back this Sunday. We'd love for you to find out more. If none of those fit for you, if none of those work for you in terms of timing or, or just kind of where you are, uh, one of the other ways you can kind of start a conversation with us is you'll notice in the chair right in front of you are a series of these Connect With Us cards. If you'll simply grab one of these this morning, if you'll fill it out with your information, uh, and then especially if you'll put some attention to the bottom of it and let us know who you are, and then let us know what area of ministry or what area of interest that you have. What's a passion that you have? What's an area that drives you that you could see, hey, these are where my gifts could come to play, but I'm not really sure how to do that or where to do that. If you'll simply fill out this card uh, and then either bring it to me at the end of the service, drop it in one of the boxes as the exit doors, or you could even drop it to some of our staff at the information desk in the foyer. And we would love to begin that conversation, helping you discover who God's made you to be and how you can best serve here at Grace. Let me pray for us this morning. Lord God, I thank you for your amazing grace in our lives that you are a good shepherd, that you give your life for us, that you protect us, that you provide for us better than anything we could ever provide for ourselves. Lord, help us to trust that you're good in the different arenas of our lives, the different areas that we tend to struggle to believe you and to trust you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to do that this week. Let us have the courage to identify those areas and let us begin to sort through those things in our lives moving closer in our relationship with you, trusting that you're sovereign, that you're selfless, and that you're sacrificial. And Father, I pray even for us as a local body as well, Lord, that you would help us begin to find our own gifts as uniquely as you've wired us in whatever places that you've put us. And Lord, that you'd help us to find our fit and you'd help us to find our place to serve here at Grace and in our city and in our community as well. Lord, we ask for these things this morning through your Son and by your Spirit we pray. Amen. You guys have a wonderful Sunday and we'll see you guys next week.